I want you to turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel 17. I'd planned to preach a Christmas message, but it's not going to work out that way. 1 Samuel 17. I'll read one verse to you and then just give you a short summary of what this passage is all about. You know it very well. This is the chapter where David and Goliath meet and the Lord gives a great victory. But I call your attention to the 16th verse of the 17th chapter of 1 Samuel. Referring, it says, and the Philistine, of course, that's Goliath, drew near morning and evening and presented himself 40 days. 40 days. There was a constant uh, conflict that was occurring here. Uh, you start out this chapter, it gives the location of where the Philistines have gathered together. They're there at Shoko, and uh, that's in the place of Judah, belongeth to Judah. So they have, the enemy has inhabited the land of praise. And the devil will always attack you in the place of praise. He wants to get your praise. Once that you know that you're saved and on your way to heaven, he knows he can't stop you and he can't stop the Lord from saving you and from taking care of you and you from trusting the Lord. So he says, if you're gonna make the journey, I'm gonna make the journey as hard as possible on you. And we see that the armies have lined up in this chapter. They come to a place that in the first verse, you find out that Israel is facing the the Philistines and facing Goliath and there's this valley between them. As you read on, there's one on one mountain, one on the other and it's a place called Ephesdamim. Ephesdamim literally means every name in your Bible has a meaning and the name Ephesdamim, in case you're not aware of that word, it means the boundary of the blood. So the giant couldn't cross the boundary of the blood. I could stop right there and we could shout it out. Thank God there is a boundary of the blood that the enemy can't cross over. He might try to occupy our praise and stop us from praising, but there's some things that the enemy cannot conquer and he cannot overcome. When we're behind the blood of Jesus Christ, he's gonna take care of all of it. But for 40 days, this giant would come out and say the same thing, give me a man that I may fight. 40 days they went back and forth. It's strange that that occurred for a 40 day period of time and it's even more strange when it occurred in that 16th verse. It's very specific on what it says. It says in verse 16, the Philistine drew near when? Morning and evening. Morning and evening. Why in the morning and why in the evening? Why did he choose that particular time? This has gone on now for 40 days by the time that, that David arrives on the scene and sees the situation. For 40 days, nothing was happening. Now, this is prayer meeting night and I've, I've been preaching a lot on prayer and I'm going to ask you a question that's not a loaded question, it's not a trick question. I'm just asking a question that maybe I'm the only one that has ever experienced it but I have a feeling that a lot of you have experienced the same thing. Have you ever prayed and prayed and prayed 
and felt like nothing's happening. It's the same. Every day is the same as the day before. The devil is still there saying the same thing. What's wrong? Where's your God at? Why hasn't the Lord helped you? And sometimes you just feel like you're going nowhere. You're stuck. You're at a place where that you just can't move forward and then every day it gets a little worse because you're dealing with the guilt of yesterday and the fear of tomorrow, the guilt that nothing happened yesterday and the fear that it's gonna be the same thing again tomorrow. We've had people here on the altars praying tonight and I don't wanna go into details, but some of them are in difficult places where that we know that God can do anything and God can heal, but we also know there comes a time when God takes us home. It's not always as easy to know what to pray for every time. I think in our walk, sometimes we feel like we just get to a place that we can't move forward. We fight the same battle over and over again. Why do we feel that way? Well, number one, I think sometimes when we're praying, we get to the place that we wonder, we really don't know what to pray for. Now, I'm that way every now and then. Uh, you know, I have saints of God that's loved the Lord and lived their life and they're wanting to go to be with the Lord and the family's wanting them to stay. That's a hard thing as a preacher to know how to pray because we know to die is to gain for the child of God. And there reaches a point where they're tired of the battle. And it's not that they have a death wish and it, it's not that they want harm. It's just they know there's a better life and they're ready to go. But the family's wanting them to say, it's not always easy to know what to pray for. But I'm glad of one thing when we get to that place and we're battling our infirmities that the spirit knows what we need and he intercedes for us. And he knows when we know not what to pray for as we ought, the Romans says in Romans 8, the spirit maketh intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. He always knows what's right then I think sometimes it's because we can't move forward in our walk because we have a hard time forgiving ourselves. We feel like that we're not worthy. We feel like that we're not, we're not deserving of the blessing from God, of the help from God. We just feel stuck. Then I think the biggest thing of all when we're praying in situations like this is it's just hard to wait. It is hard to wait. Somebody say amen to that. I mean, it's hard to sit behind a car at a red light when the light turns green and watch them text instead of driving. It's hard to wait. Sometimes it's hard to wait on the test results. It's hard to wait on a day to come that you've been waiting for for a long. Sometimes it's just hard to wait on certain things. Over these next couple of weeks, children will find it hard to wait. Yeah, you, you'll find out. They'll ask for gifts every day. They don't want to wait. They don't want to wait. It's, and that's true of all of it. We don't want to wait. And here they are waiting 40 days. And every morning, every evening, it's the same thing. I'm sure you're aware of the fact that in the Jewish teachings and under the law, You'll find it back in Exodus. God gave a commandment in Exodus. He said, you are to offer two lambs every day, in the morning and in the evening. And Exodus teaches them that that was part of their day. 
They started their day with the blood. They ended their day with the blood. That'll preach right there. But from that came another tradition in the Jewish teachings, and it's, it's called Shema. Shema means that twice a day, Jews are to pray at the time of the morning sacrifice and the time of the evening sacrifice. So really what is happening here, this giant comes in the morning and in the evening because he knows it's prayer time. So what he's doing, he shows up at prayer time. And he says, I'm here because I know what you're doing and I'm gonna try to hinder you because if I can't stop you, I wanna slow you down. So he shows up right at prayer time. They pray the same prayer over and over again. In the Shema, they cry out, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. They go on now and they've added to it and they claim victory over the enemy and other things in that prayer, but they're recognizing Jehovah God as their protector. They start their day with prayer, they end their day with prayer. Do you know, Everything that goes on in your life, now don't laugh when I say this, most of your day will hinge on the first hour of your day and the last hour of your day. If you start your day with prayer, it doesn't mean that you'll be free from enemies, but you'll know you started your day with prayer and therefore any enemy that comes, God already knew about it and you've already asked for his help before that enemy comes. Second of all, of the night, we pray and as we pray of the night, we know that God's going to watch over us through the night. So here we have the protection of the Lord in the morning, at night. He's watching over. Everything goes better if we're praying. The way we start our day, the way we end our day, with prayer. So here he shows up at prayer time. Do, do you know the devil, he'll, he'll leave you alone as long as you don't pray and you don't praise, he'll leave, he'll leave any church alone that does nothing. But when you start doing something, he'll show up. And unfortunately, he'll show up using people to show up. Yeah. You, you know, some of the gripes that I've got this week is from people that's not here tonight. By the way, they're not there on usually on Wednesday night or Sunday. They only come about a third of the time, but they find something wrong every time they're here. And they always find it the most convenient time to contact me right before I preach. But what they don't know, I've already prayed. So there's nothing you can say that's gonna sway my message or sway my mind and there's nothing you're gonna do that's gonna hinder me. I've come to this place tonight to say he is still king of kings and lord of lords and we've entered into the house with praise and thanksgiving and we can say we don't know what we'll face tomorrow but hallelujah, we know who's with us tonight and he's come to help us in our time of need. So here they are and it becomes a show. They've prayed, and he's tried to hinder their prayer. And really, when you come together, you'll find any time that nothing is happening, nothing's going on. I know that we have a lot of people that join us by live stream, and oftentimes they'll say, preacher, in our area, there's just no churches. There's nothing going on and how we appreciate what you do because it allows us to experience the presence of God because nothing's going on. And sometimes you feel that way. But do you know every time that you gather together, and, and it is a spiritual battle, 
there's always going to be four groups of people present. You'll find those four groups in the people that are represented here. In this chapter, you read of Saul. He was the king. You read of Goliath. You read of the army of Israel and you read about David. Each one of those represents a category that every one of us here tonight are in. Now granted, nothing was going on, but it'll make a big difference if you're in the right group when nothing's going on. Well, what does King David represent? King David represents somebody that was anointed, but is no longer anointed. He's the one that surrendered his armor to David and said, try on my, how could he let David wear his armor unless he took it off? And the reason that he took it off was because he lost something greater before the armor ever came off. He lost the anointing of God. You remember they wanted a king and it wasn't God's will for them to have a king, but finally God said, I will allow it. When they anointed Saul, he was the anointed king. But Saul lost the anointing. Now you can be saved and on your way to heaven, but lose the anointing. How do you know if you lose the anointing? You don't love what you do anymore. You go to church, but you don't love being at church. You pray, but you don't love praying. You read your Bible, but you don't love reading your Bible. You lose the excitement of saying, I wonder what God's going to do today and how you love the time where God comes down and with that anointing breaks every yoke and sets you at liberty to do things you couldn't do otherwise. So it is somebody that was anointed that is no longer anointed. Second of all, you've got the army. Who's the army? Well, they never were anointed. It's quite apparent they didn't show up to fight. They showed up to watch. You've got that everywhere too. If any of you have been involved in secular work, you know there's some people that just show up to watch work. And some people show up to work. Some people have never done anything in their life and they're not going to start now. It's not gonna change. They never have and it's just, that's just the way it is. And you'll frustrate yourself trying to change them. I had a fellow one time, you know, they used to kid with him a lot about how lazy that he was. And uh, he told me, he said, hey, I started setting my alarm. I'm getting up an hour earlier every day. And I said, really? He said, yeah, because that gives me an extra hour in the day to loaf. There's some people, they're not, they're not gonna do anything. That's just the way it is. They don't wanna be anointed. Some of you, I'm telling you, it could rain glory in this place and you don't care. You don't want blessed. You don't wanna be happy. You don't wanna enjoy your salvation. You just wanna go along to get along. And if you wanna be that way, you can be that way. No one can force you to be anointed. Listen, if you want the blessing of God, you've gotta choose that. And you've gotta say, I've come to this place tonight and I don't care what's going on with everybody else. I've come to worship God and thank him for what he's done. The unanointed. By the way, if a church ever gets in trouble, it'll be when the unanointed becomes the leadership of the church. Every church that ever's gotten in trouble, it's because of unanointed leadership. That didn't go over good, I'm moving on. Second of all, there is 
thirdly, rather, there is Goliath. Who does Goliath represent? He is anti-anointing. He is against the anointing because he's against the anointed. He is constantly coming against those that are anointed. He knew that Israel had been anointed by, he knew that Israel had their battles fought by God in the past. They've come up against God's people. They know all of that. He didn't get this brave overnight. He kept going and going and going until finally he was just against anything that God was for. That's the condition of our nation today spiritually. Anything that God is in favor of, the world is now against. I, I, I caught myself today, I showed Brian, I got a text from a trucker friend of mine. He trucks long distance all across the country and he, he sent me through a, a text and it was a secular business and in this particular business, it was a restaurant in a large restaurant chain and I'll not name the chain, but in the windows, they had the nativity scene painted. And he said, how long has it been since you've seen this in a national business? And I, I was just floored by it. I said, Brian, isn't that something? But do you know why more businesses won't do things like that? It's because they don't want all of the pushback from the world saying, well, you, you Christians, you think you're in charge of everything, but there's all types of religions out there and you'll offend this one and you'll offend that one. Isn't it something that they all, they talk about how, how offended they, they are, but they all love our holidays. They talk about how awful that it is, how terrible that Christians is. They don't want kids to bring their Bible to school. They don't want people to bring their Bible to work. They don't want people to ever say anything about Jesus, but they'll still take December the 25th off. I am preaching. We have now reached a place where they are anti-anointed. They are against what God is for. But there is a fourth group, and that fourth group is what I focus on in closing tonight. There is David. Saul lost the anointing, but David was anointed. He just wasn't the king yet. So here he is now. He comes along, and he doesn't understand this. I mean, he's looking at them, saying, I, I don't know where you're coming from. I, I thought you loved God. I thought you served God. I thought you, were, I, I thought you were in favor of what God is in favor of. I thought you believed that God could do anything. Why are you hiding? Why are you cowering down? Don't you know we can go against this giant in the name of the Lord and the Lord can overcome him? That's the anointing. You may be stuck and the problem may be big. But in reality, you've got to ask yourself this question. Don't ask the question, how big is the problem? Ask the question, how big is my God? God is bigger than anything. That's why there's such an attack against the virgin birth. Someone told me one time, they, they said, that's an impossibility. God brought a baby into this world with only, not a mother and a father, with only a mother. 
They said, do you believe that? I said, I believe something bigger than that. I believe he brought two people into this world without a mother and father, either one. Adam and Eve. Now, if he can do that, surely he can overshadow a virgin and her conceive and bring forth a son and his name is Jesus. I'm saying the attack will always be against the Lord, but when we understand we are not like other religions, we serve the true, the living God that has all power in heaven and earth and that can do anything. Anything. So for those of you that were here tonight on this altar praying for loved ones that's lost, that has rejected your invitation to turn to Christ, your witness to them, that doesn't mean that God's finished with them. He has a way of dealing with them in the darkness of night. He has a way of touching them and getting their attention. He knows what to do and how to do it. I don't know what you're going through. Do do, do you realize how we started this service off tonight? We started this service off by praising God for a lady that has battled cancer on different occasions, but this being the most severe out of years of struggling against this. And for her to say, I'm cancer free, she had one person running the test saying, are you sure that they said you had this type of cancer? (laughs) Isn't that great? Said yes, and they said, there's no explanation for this. There is an explanation for it. His name is Jesus. He is the explanation. He is the answer. He's the one that can do all things. Nothing's impossible with him. So when you feel like it's going on for 40 days, you get up and pray anyway. And you get up and praise anyway. And you trust God anyway. And you believe God anyway. And you say, I'm gonna take you at your word, Lord, and he'll never fail you. Why should I worry? We don't have to worry. Why should I fear? We don't have to fear. He's the God that can do anything. 